Amen. Amen. I want to say once again how great it is to have everyone here today. If you're a guest with us or you haven't been with us in a while, we're so glad you have chosen to come and worship with us this morning. And for those of you that are not able to be here but are tuning in today on the, theantioch.com, we welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you're joining us on this Easter celebration service today. Praise God. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can go with me. If you don't, we will provide it for you on the screen. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a little breakdown for a minute. The Bible is divided between two testaments. The Old Testament that deals with events up to the death of Jesus and the New Testament that truly begins with the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And the church was born in the New Testament. The church that we are a part of today. That's not a man-made organization. It's not a religious ideology. But it is a living organism that was birthed at Calvary and delivered on the day of Pentecost. And as a part of the birth of the new church, the Apostle Paul, especially one of the great men and great writers of the New Testament, penned several letters to the churches that were beginning to grow there in the first century of the birth of the church. And we're going to read today from his second letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. Second Corinthians is a letter that he had written to the church in Corinth. Chapter 5, and we're going to skip down to verse number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 12 says this, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Verse 13, For, we, if, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Can I stop right here for a moment? Maybe you're looking around today and thinking that we're a little crazy. That's okay. You're looking around today and thinking maybe we're putting on a show because that's just what we do on Easter. But let me stop you right there for a minute. This is not simply what we do on Easter. Because I don't have to wait for Easter to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. In fact, I don't even have to wait to a Sunday to celebrate that Jesus is alive. Because He's alive on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. And so, excuse us today, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Excuse us as today if you feel like that our behavior may be a little offensive to your understanding of what truly church is supposed to be about. But the Bible talks about that the church is a group of people that have come out of darkness and have stepped into light who were once lost but now found. I'm sorry, but when you've discovered the greatest thing on the history of the earth, it's hard to just stay there and not celebrate the fact that I once was lost, but now I am found. So excuse us today. We don't do what we do for you. We do what we do for Him. We do what we do because we know what He's done in our lives. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are a sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all dead. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for, whom, for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, for now on, regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Verse 17. I want you to pay attention to what the Bible says. This is the New King James. I'll read it from there because I'm reading from a little slightly different. Therefore. Everybody say therefore. therefore. When you see the word therefore, you need to stop and realize what's it there for. Therefore, 
If any man be in Christ, he is a... Now we're reading. I know this is not a Bible. It's a screen that has the Bible on it, but this still is the Bible. So these are, my not, these are not my words. These are the words of the Scripture. He is a what? New creature. One version says he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. Somebody help me out real quick. What does all leave out? All things are become new. God bless you. Thank you for so wonderfully standing. You may be seated today. I would encourage you to stop for a moment and to look around at the people that are sitting beside you. The saying goes that you can't judge a book by its cover. But really, the fact is that we do judge people by what we see. And you look around here today, and by making a quick scan of the crowd, the majority of the people in here today, you would never guess where they came from. In fact, if you judged what you see right now, the assumptions that you would make about their life and who they are, it would astonish you to know who you're sitting next to. Some of you ladies may need to grab your purse and hold it tight because there are former thieves in here today. Some of you may need to watch your back because we have those in here today that used to deal with anger and used to assault. We have people from all different backgrounds today, but we've come here today, and if you look at who's sitting here today, you would never guess where we've come from and what God has done in our lives. Because today in this building, we've got rich and poor. We've got educated and uneducated. We've got black and white and every shade in between. Why? Because the Bible doesn't just fit one group, but the Bible fits every group. I don't mean to say this to be critical against anyone or any group. And I mean that sincerely. But there are too many churches that appeal to one group of society, whether it's one color or one demographic or simply one uh, 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 um, economic background. But we believe that the gospel is for everybody. The person that has all the money in the world and the person that can't rub two pennies together. It's for the white and for the black. It's for everybody in between because the gospel... It's not exclusive, but the gospel is inclusive. So you sit here today, you may be sitting next to somebody that has many degrees behind their name. You may be sitting next to somebody who can't even read and can't even write. And you think, well, how in the world can we all come together in this building and all be together? It was because of Calvary. Calvary made everything equal. Calvary brought every person to their knee. Because it doesn't matter your background. Everybody has got to go to the cross. And we, led, we talked about the first, the second letter. But let me go back for a minute and read something that Paul wrote in his first letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse number 9. Well, again, we'll put it on the screen for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Don't put the next... Hold it off just for a second. You're going to kill my punchline. This list right here sums up a lot of who we used to be. But Paul goes on the next verse and says this. And such were some of you. But you are sanctified, justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Is there anybody glad today that Jesus found you where you were? Yeah. 
if it wasn't for Calvary, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, if it wasn't for the cross, we would not have the ability to stand here today because there's not one person, including me, that can stand here today and say that I have no sin. In fact, the Bible says that all have sinned. All. There's not one person. There are people in here today that are very moral. There are people in here today that are very kind, gentle people. There are people here today that look out for their fellow man. But even the kindest and gentlest and the meekest of us all in this place have sinned. Those of us sitting on the platform sometimes... People look at the ministry and think that the ministry is somehow separated from society. No, every man on this platform, every woman in this, in the, that come on this platform has sin that we've had in our life. So the fact of the matter today, we're not trying to just say today that this is only for the perfect, for the righteous, for the upright, for the moral, for the Democrat, for the Republican. The fact of the matter is that the blood of Jesus and Calvary is for us all. But the question is, how did we get here today? Truly, how does this really work? Is it simply positive thinking? Is it simply mind over matter? Is it simply a bunch of delusional or brainwashed people that have some kind, somehow fa uh, fell to this, some kind of uh, religious delusion or somehow been deceived to think that something really is the case? But let's go back, if we could this morning, and not stop at Calvary, but let's go farther back, if we could. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning of Scripture this morning. All the way back to the very beginning of this all. The book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is, a, is, is, is the story of creation, how God put all this together. But as the story begins to unfold, there's something unique that transpires. Because the Bible says that God created man and woman and placed them in the garden. And now I don't have to, for time's sake to go into all the details, but we know that the serpent tempt Eve, tempted Eve. She ate of the forbidden fruit. She went along and she passed it along to Adam. And the Bible says that when Adam tasted of his fruit, of the fruit, the Bible says his eyes were open and he saw that he was naked. And he did something very unique. The Bible says that Adam ran and Adam hid from God. And the Bible says that God showed up in the garden for his daily walk and communication with Adam. And when he shows up in the garden, Adam is hiding. And the Bible says that God says to Adam, Adam, where are you? Now I've heard some religious uh, uh, pundits who have tried to mock what we believe, that have tried to make the statement that if God is so powerful, how come he didn't know where Adam was? By making that statement, it proves their ignorance of Scripture. Because God knew exactly where Adam was. But when God showed up and Adam was hiding, God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? And he says, I'm over here hiding. He said, Adam, why are you hiding? He says, I'm hiding because I'm naked. God replied back to him and said, Adam, who told you that you were naked? Somewhere in the conversation, Adam stepped out of the bushes. And behold, he had made garments of fig leaves. Can I stop for a minute and say today that God knows exactly where you are? You may be trying to hide from God. You may be trying to run from God. But God knows exactly where you are. But the fact of the matter is today that God cannot help you until you acknowledge where you are. God is not going to come and pull you out of your seat, grab you by your shirt collar, 
and yank you out and say, okay, I've come to save you. No, no, no. God is going to give you the opportunity, but you have to acknowledge in your own heart, I'm in need of saving. And he says to Adam, Adam, where are you? And it wasn't until Adam acknowledged, here I am, that God was able to step in and minister to Adam. But something unique takes place. You see, God could have left them like they were. God could have simply said, well, Adam, I'm glad you finally acknowledged it. Come over here and give God a hug. They could have hugged it out. He could have let Adam go on his way, fig leaves and all. And him and, him, uh, him, and Adam and Eve could have lived the rest of their days out in garments of fig leaves. But if you ever looked at a fig leaf and you ever felt one, you know that they're very uncomfortable. You can try to make them comfortable, but really, there's no real place, no real way to sit, no real to stand. And can you imagine having an apron or garment made of fig leaves? Too many times we try to make our lives better through our own abilities. And it just never seems to fit. It never feels comfortable. It always feels like something is irritating, something is bothering us, something's going on. Why? Because we're trying to find the answer in our own way. And you know what? God could have easily left Adam the way he was. But God did something very unique. And I'm going to read it because I want you to see what he did. Verse number 20 of chapter 3. Genesis 3, verse number 20. I'm going to let you read it along with me so you know. And Adam called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all living. Verse 21. Unto Adam and also his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Now for most of us, we read that verse and we think, well, that's not really anything to stop at. It's just God making coats. What's the big deal? It's just some coats. Not really. And we skip over that. It's just several words in a verse of the many verses of the Bible. What's so significant, preacher, about that particular instance? You have to understand something about the way God operates, if you would just give me a moment today. When God establishes a pattern of dealing with us, the moment He establishes that pattern, He sticks with that pattern because the Bible says that God does not change. The Bible goes so far to say that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So sometimes, if we want to know how God deals with, deals with us today in a modern world, we've got to go back and see how God dealt with them in the biblical world. Because according to Scripture, God has not changed. So you say to me today, Preacher, why are you telling me that something that happened in the book of Genesis is important to me today? Why is God making coats of skin important with me Today. Now the Bible doesn't say this, but we can put the pieces together by what took place in this verse. In order to make coats of skin, what has to happen? Something's got to die. Something has got to die. He didn't say he put animals on them, he said he makes coats of skin. Putting them on them. So in order for that to happen, what had to happen? Something had to die. Now, from typology, and I don't have time to go into this. If you want to know the answer, I'll be glad afterwards to tell you this. But we know from typology that more than likely, the animal in this passage that died was a lamb. Because the same pattern was carried throughout the Old Testament. So I want you to picture this for a second. Adam and Eve, just get this in your mind for a moment. Adam and Eve were standing there in fig leaves. And God sees them. And they were in that condition because of what they had done. But they had no way to get themselves out of that condition. And God shows up and has this communication with them. And God says to them, 
I'm not going to leave you the way I found you. I love you too much to let you go on living like you're living. Let me tell you this today. God loves you just like you are, but He loves you too much to leave you like you are. God didn't come and condemn them. God didn't come and chastise them. God came and saw their condition. And He looked at them and said, I love you just like you are, but I love you too much to leave you like you are. So guess what happened? He said, I'm going to make you a coat. And in order to make that coat, guess what happened? Something had to die. But slight problem. That lamb didn't do anything. That lamb was innocent. Because you see, the guilty can't die for the guilty. In order for the guilty to be set free, something that was innocent had to die. So Adam couldn't look at, looked at Eve and say, listen, I know we messed up here, so listen, I'm going to ask God to take my life so that you can live. Couldn't work that way because they were both guilty. So God had to find a replacement of innocence. Because you see, in order to step out of guilt into innocence, you can't put on guilt and remain not guilty. So God chose the innocent to die for the guilty. And God took the life of this animal. But you see, the Bible says something very unique. It says this, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That in order for you and I to be forgiven today, blood had to be shed. All the things that happened to Jesus from the garden of Gethsemane, when the Bible says he began to sweat great chops of blood, to the nails that pierced his hands, to the nail that pierced his feet, to the crown of thorns, to his back being beaten, to the side being pierced, all the events that transpired that basically, forgive me for saying it this way, but by the time it was all over, he was a bloody mess. All of that was not for the shock factor. But every drop of blood that came out of the Savior had a purpose. Because every drop of blood represented it, represented Forgiveness of our sins. But here's the problem. If God was just worried about forgiving you, He would have looked at that animal and killed that animal and let that animal lay there and die in its own blood. And said, it's over with. Blood has been spilled. Sin has been forgiven. But God loves you so much that not only did He care about forgiving you of your sin, but he cared about what happened to you after your sins are forgiven. Because the fact of the matter is, if I was here today, and I have been convicted of a crime, and you were all in the courtroom today, and I was brought in chains and stood before the court, and the judge looked at me and said, Sir, we the court have found you to be guilty. You have committed the crime and the evidence has been stacked against you and now we find you to be guilty. And I would have looked up at him and said, you're right. And he says, I'm now going to pronounce your sentence. And he looks down at his sheet about to proclaim my sentence and he says, Hold on a minute. There's been a change. You are guilty of this crime. But I am now going to pardon you from the punishment of the crime. You will leave out of this courtroom today, and you will leave out of this courtroom today as a guilty person. But you will not have to serve the time. For most of us, if we ever committed a crime, that probably would be a great thing to hear. You're guilty, but you don't have to serve the time. You've done wrong, but I'll take the punishment away. You see, today God 
is not just worried about you spending eternity in heaven or hell. Because His love goes deeper than that. Because really, what took place in the garden was something very unique. Because He goes over and He takes this lamb and He kills this lamb and He takes the blood and the blood, it represents the forgiveness of sins. But then the Bible says He takes a coat covers them. What happened when they put on those coats? Notice this. I know this is funny, but it didn't say he made them bikinis. Didn't make them bathing suits. The Bible says he made them coats. Why was he worried about making them coats? Because when they saw each other, And they saw themselves. Now they didn't see the fig leaves. Now they didn't see the nakedness and the shame of what they did. When they looked at themselves, what did they see? They saw the coat that was given to them by the shedding of the innocent. That was placed on them. You see, if I walked in here today and I went down to the costume store and I picked out a costume by just simply what I was wearing, you would know who I was. Came here today and I was wearing a fireman's outfit. I wouldn't have to tell you I was a fireman. You'd say, you're a fireman. If I was wearing a police officer outfit, you would say, I wouldn't have to tell you, hey everybody, I'm dressed like a policeman. You would know, he's a policeman. If I was wearing a Superman outfit, You wouldn't have to say, what are you dressed up like? There's an S on my chest. By what you see is the identity by which I live. So God didn't simply come to Adam and Eve and say, listen, I know you messed up, but it's okay. I'm going to give you a fresh start. And say, look it, just try to do better next time, okay? Stay away from the fruit. Just do better. It's okay. God's not mad. Now go on your little way, children. No. God loved them enough. He knew that simply dealing with what they did wasn't good enough. Because he knew if he dealt with what they did, they would always identify themselves for what they used to be. But God loved them enough. Not only did he say what you did has been forgiven, but he said, I'm going to go as far as not only to forgive you, but to change your identity. You see, let's go back to our story. I'm standing in the courtroom. I've been committed. I've been guilty of the crime. Done. The judge has declared I'm guilty. Everybody knows I'm guilty. You know I'm guilty. You saw me commit the crime. The courtroom says, get him, judge, get him. That's it. He's guilty. We all saw him do it. And the judge says, well, you're guilty, but I just got a call from the governor. Thank you, Governor Hogan. You've been pardoned. I walk out of there. Woo! Governor Hogan's a good man. He pardoned me. But guess what? Now, everywhere I go, I'm guilty. But let's show you the other version of that story. I'm standing there in my chains and my guilt. The judge looks down at me and says, Mr. Wright, this court has found you guilty. You all in the crowd go, yes, judge, get him. We know he's sinful. Get him. We know he's done wrong. And all of a sudden, in the back of the courtroom, There's a stir. Everyone looks to the back of the room, they're wondering what's happening. Coming into the back of the room is a man. Everyone looks at him. Just by simply his being there, they know this man is of importance. I'm standing there in my guilt, knowing that my life is over, knowing that I'm going to have to pay for the punishment of my crime. There's a tap on my shoulder. I look over and the man that has come in the back of the courtroom is now standing next to me. 
He says, Judge, I'd like to stop all of the proceedings. This man has been found guilty, am I right? Yes, he's guilty. I would like to allow the court and all of those that are witnessing today that I will take his place. In fact, I will stand before him and I will be guilty of the crime. And I will take the punishment. Well, sir, have you committed the crime? No. You're innocent. Why would the innocent want to take the place of the guilty? He says, I'll take his place. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. And that man stands there and the judge says, now you have been found. Wait a minute. The courtroom looks and goes, how is this the case? He didn't do anything wrong. Why is he the guilty party? Now that man has been made guilty. And now that man has been punished. Guess what happens to me? I, who was guilty, when I was in the courtroom the first time, now I walk out of the courtroom not pardoned. I walk out of the courtroom innocent. The Bible calls that term justified. Let me give you a, just, a, a, a quick definition of what it means to be justified. Justified means just as if you hadn't done it. That means that when I walked out of the courtroom, Everything that I had done, every thought, every deed, every action, every good, every bad thing that I had done, everything that hurt those around me, everything that had happened in my life, when I walked out of that courtroom, it was as if I had never done one thing. In fact, it would be like me being born again. With no record. No past. But only a future. It's not simply start from this point forward and go from here. But it's going all the way back to the very beginning. And saying from that point where everything started. Everything has been wiped away. It doesn't simply mean to start fresh. But it means to be born again. To come out. Brand new. You see, here's what happens. You see all of us standing here today. You think, how do these people act like they do? Aren't they acting like they're better than all the people? Christians, they act like they're better than everybody else. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I don't think I'm better than anybody. I'm no better than the person at home today reading the newspaper. That's not even the church. I'm no better than anybody. I'm no better than anyone in this room today. But let me show you what happened to me. Years ago, I walked in, and what you saw is what you saw. But the Spirit of God moved in my life. And I found... Jesus. And the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 3. That those who are in Christ have put on Christ. What does that mean? What do you mean to put on Christ? The same process that took place with the lamb in the garden. That made Adam and Eve not only... Free from their sin, but brand new and innocent from their sin. The same process happened to me. Because back there, to my left, to your right, afterwards you can take a tour, we'll show it to you. We have what we call a baptismal. Many religions have a baptismal. Many try to explain it in different ways. But let me tell you the true 
essence of what it means to be baptized. Because the Bible says, those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You see, I could simply tell you today to bow your head. Don't do it, but bow your head. And I want you to ask God to forgive you. And I could ask you to pray a prayer of forgiveness. And you could pray it out of the sincerity of the heart. And yes, that is important. But the fact of the matter is, that's not life-changing like it is. That's the first step. But that's not the whole story. Because you see, something unique takes place. You see, baptism isn't simply about joining a church. You don't have to be baptized to come to church here. You don't have to be baptized to join our church, to, to join a religion. Baptism is not about membership. Baptism is greater than that because it's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. Baptism isn't simply going out for a swim. I've gone to many pools. I've got out of there feeling worse off when I got out than when I got in. So simply getting wet is not the key. But something happened. Not just to me, but there are hundreds in this place today that could testify the same thing happened to them. Because we came here. We were broken. We were messed up. We were hurting. We were lost. We couldn't find our way. But Jesus, 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 Jesus found me. Jesus found me. Jesus found me. You see, you can't see it now because the Bible says to the natural mind, the things of the spirit are crazy. They're foolish. You can't see. But I'm going to peel back the curtain for a moment today. I'm going to show you what I look like. Hold your breath. I'm not taking my clothes off. But I'm going to show you what I look like today. Because when I went down in that water, and there was someone that said, now, upon the confession of your faith, for the forgiveness of your sins, I now baptize ties you in the name of Jesus. When I went in that water, guess what? When I came out of that water, God said, I got some blood for you that I shed for you. But I've got something greater for you. See, you don't see this today. But when I look at myself, this is what I see. You see, you think I'm just a man dressed in a suit. No, 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 no. Because truly, I am wearing a robe that covers everything that I did. Everything about my past has been covered by the innocence of Jesus Christ. So you may see one thing, but according to God, this is what He sees. He sees the robe that He gave to me in baptism. So according to this robe, I don't have a past. According to this robe, guess what? I've never committed sin. Wait a minute, preacher. I taught you said before you committed sin. Yes, according to the law, I committed sin. But guess what? According to baptism, I have no sin. Because Jesus and the blood of Jesus found me where I was and saved me in the middle of my pit and washed me and sanctified me and justified me. Excuse me for a minute. If I walk around with my head held high. Excuse me for a minute. If I act a little confident. You say you Christians are just a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, uh, uh, filled with a bunch of craziness. 
You act like you're holier than thou. No, 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 no. I'm not holy. He's holy. But guess what? The holiness of Jesus is the holiness that I'm wearing. So no, I'm not holy, but he is holy. And he has given me garments of innocence. So excuse me if I come in this place and I clap my hands. Excuse me for a minute if I wave my hands. Excuse me for a minute if I dance before the Lord. Why? Because he brought me out of darkness and he put me in the light. You see, the person that's acting crazy, you don't know where they came from. You don't realize they came from a broken life, a broken marriage, a broken past. You don't realize that they were down in the dumps of life, addicted, overcome, depressed, beat up, afflicted. But they came and they found Jesus. I'm not trying to tell you today about religion. You know what? I don't care about religion. Religion hasn't changed anybody. Religion hasn't helped anybody. Religion can't set you free. I'm not preaching religion. I'm preaching Jesus. today what God can do for you because there's too many of you today that identify yourselves with your past and you feel like you have no future because of your past but I'm telling you today what you don't see is available in this place today there are robes that are available to you today you see you say but you don't know what I'm going through preacher you're right I don't You don't know how bad I'm hurting. You're right, I don't. You don't know the ups and downs of my life. You're right, I don't don't know it. You don't know all I've done. No. But I do know one thing. That if you would let him, that Jesus today has got something for you, if you would let him. That Jesus today has something that he'd like to give you today. He's got something available for you today. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've done nothing to deserve it. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. Because he did all the work on Calvary. If you today would let him. He's walking through this place today. And he's passing out. You see, wait a minute. It can't be that easy. Wait a minute, preacher. It can't be that easy. Wait a minute, preacher. It's too hard. That's too, it's too crazy. It can't be that easy. It can't be that easy. It's that easy because he did all the work. It is that easy because if you let God do what God wants to do in your life, when you walk out of here today, you will not walk out of here for what you used to be, but you will walk out of here for what For what God has made you to be. Oh, can we just thank him right now for what he has done? I know it seems like pie in the sky to you today. I know you say, wait a minute, this just sounds too crazy. Sounds too good to be true. It doesn't sound like this is real. You know what? In your natural mind, I would say yes. But I want to show you something really quickly. You can't really see it in the light. It's different than when, when when I'm tan in the summertime. You come up afterwards 
and I'll show it to you in better light. But right on my right arm, I've got a scar. It's about an inch and a half that way, about two inches that way. When I was a child, I was in my mother's lap, pulled water off. She was, she was making some, some, uh, a drink and had hot water she had just pulled out of the microwave of the stove. I can't remember exactly which one. I reached up. I was just a, a child, nine months old, pulled that boiling water on me. The water was so hot that it literally just melted my skin to the bone. But today, there is a remnant of that event left on my arm. But you know what? At nine months old, you would have touched that. I probably would have screamed, cried. For a while, you would have touched that. It would have hurt. But you know what? Now, I guess I'd let you do this, but we'd have to talk about it. You come up here today, you can pinch it, slap it, hit it. It doesn't hurt. Why? Because it's healed. The memory of the event is still there. But the pain is gone. I'm not telling you today that God wants to come in your life, put a tube on your head, suck your brain out, and take all the memories away. God's not going to do that. But what I'm telling you today is that today you could have cried your last tear. Last night could have been your last sleepless night. This morning could have been could have been your last moment of loneliness. Because Jesus saw you. We say, wait a minute, you don't know why I came here today. I came because it was Easter. I didn't really come for anything today. I came, it was Easter. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> That's what you thought. But God orchestrated all this for you to be here today. You may have come here today because you were invited. You may have come here today because it's Easter. Everybody goes to church on Easter, so I'll go to church too. And you think, well, I'm here. Isn't that good enough? No, 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 no. Because you know what? From a long way off, God saw you coming. God today wants to heal you today. God wants to forgive you. But more than importantly, God wants to change you today but just like he did with Adam he walks in the garden and says Adam where are you today wait a minute God I'm hiding you can find me I'm over you can count to ten I'm, I'm, I'm hiding find me he could have done that God wanted to know if Adam would be honest enough with himself and with God to say, God, I'm here. I'm here. But you know what? At the moment of the acknowledgement, God was able to bring help. You know what? Today, everything we preached about, everything we talked about, God can do it in your life. He can do it today. But there's got to be an acknowledgement on your part that you need Him to do it. There's got to be an acknowledgement on your part. God, here I am. Here I am. I'm not joining a church today. I just want Jesus. I just want Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I look across this place today and I see people that are broken. I see people that are wandering in life on purpose. You're dragging your past behind you like a ball and chain. You never know if you're ever going to get free from the things you've done. You can only identify by who you are. and You don't know who God wants you to be. And because of that, you feel like there's no hope for you. You feel like you've lost hope. But can I tell you today that Jesus... 
is here in this place. And if you would let him, if you would let him, God wants to come and take you by the hand. Say, come on. Come on. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. I'm not going to pull you. I'm not going to bring you kicking and screaming. But if you give me a chance today, I'm going to make your life brand new. I'm going to make your life whole. I'm going to take away the pain, the hurt, the depression, everything in your life that you've done. If you give me an opportunity today, I will do it. I want to know today, is there anybody in this place? Anybody. I know there is, but the question of the matter is, are you going to be honest with yourself and with God? Is there anybody in this place today that you want to say, God, I'm broken. I need you to heal me. I'm hurting and I need you to heal me. God, I'm tired of living with my past dragging behind me. And God, I want a fresh start that you're willing to get out of your seat and give God an opportunity today to change your life. Are you going to give him the opportunity? Are you going to give God the opportunity? Come on. Somebody today, you need to let God say, here it is, Lord. Here's my past. Here's my hurt. Here's my pain. Here's my disappointment. Take it all. Is there anybody today that you're willing to give God an opportunity to touch you? Come on. If you're near somebody right now, would you just invite them to come down with you? Come on. Bring somebody with you. Let the Lord do something right now. Come on. There are those that are coming. This is not about joining a church. You're not joining a church, but you're coming today to give God an opportunity. Come on. There's some of you in the back. Come on. Give God an opportunity. There's some of you over to my left. Give God an opportunity. Come on, church. Be sensitive to those around you. Come on, be sensitive. Come on, be sensitive. Bring somebody with you. Let God change your life today. Come on, that's it. Come on, let God heal you. Let God set you free. Don't leave here today with your past as a chain around your neck. But let you leave today being free. Yes. Come on, church. Be sensitive. Be sensitive to those around you. I'm asking you, church, be sensitive to those around you. Maybe you're not new here. Maybe you come here every week. But God has talked to you today. Would you give him a chance? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Here I am. Here I am, here I am. Be whole, so I can be 